This is Barca Herman. One more time. I'm doing a series of recording called Conversations with My Son with, you guessed it, my son, Kit Herman. Say hi, Kit. Hi. <laughs> okay. And so the context here is um, I'm trying to have conversations with my son on various topics uh, because I think that um, as somebody who wants to uh, be in the space of parenting, um, I think that it's important to have some inside information. And so I decided to have a series of conversation with um, my own son and his experiences as a child growing up in my household. And today's, cho- today's topic is one of the things that he told me that he appreciated uh, me being as a parent was open-minded. So what does that mean to you, Kit, being open-minded? So being open-minded is just having the ability to see things from different points of view. Um, I think that that is a very important aspect of parenthood and some straightforward things that, you know, I think a lot of people need to work into their own parenting methods, right? Because I think that, you know, when you're working with a kid, it's important to, to, to be able to be flexible, right? Because we've said this a lot, and I think it's going to continue to be said, that people are different. Like mm-hmm. each person requires a different way of working with them. And so if you've, you've already decided something and, you know, things don't go according to the plan, if you try and stick to the plan, it might work out worse for a lot of you. So it's, it's better to just keep an open mind and be able to work with the individual and change your, change your approach to the situation, depending upon how things are going, being flexible, being open-minded. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can you think of some examples of how, let's say me or Ken, uh, my husband Ken, your dad, uh, were open-minded? Can you, can you share some anecdotes with us? Sure. I think the schooling system was a big one that showed how you were open-minded to our decisions is, you know, working in, with us as kids. Because when we were kids, we went to uh, preschool and elementary that you had decided for us, and then we went to public school. And then after the public school, you basically gave us the option to choose which school we wanted to go to. And we went to a religious school. And after I had spent time at the religious school, you once again gave me the option interesting from middle school to high school to go to whichever school I wanted. And at no point in time where you uh, was in the middle school, did I ever think that if I approached you and said, Hey, I want to transfer schools, would you have declined me that offer? Right. Mm. It was something where you had given me the opportunity to, to basically determine my own fate. And you kept an open mind about which schools we were allowed to go to. Right. It wasn't, Oh, well, you're only allowed to go to this school because it has this belief or this idea behind it, right? It was it was a fairly wide range of options that we were given. And of yeah. course, you know, you're limited by the schools that was or that were within the region. Of course. But yeah. you know, you gave yeah. us the option to do those types of things. So just to put some context behind that, um I did pick a uh you know, private school close to us, which had very good reputation uh, individually uh initially for my children, but um, it, it so happened that my daughter was going through some challenges with that school. Um, um, and also, uh, my husband had some challenges with that school as well. So we ended up pulling them out and giving you options. And then 
One of the things that I do want to bring up is that uh, you guys went to a Christian school, despite the fact that I am not a Christian. And it was, it was okay with me. So that's, I guess, I'll interpret that as an example of being open-minded with the school, uh, school choice. Um, what are some of the other ways, that, you know, obviously both, this decision was both me and Ken, but what are the, some of the individual ways that either Ken or me were open-minded in your upbringing that you saw? Well, when we were kids, um, you in particular were fairly hands-off about the approach of when we were having fun and playing, right? We were, you know, playing in trees and having our little imaginative experiences. And all you'd do is you'd come out with like a plate of food every now and again. You'd be like, hey, have some of this, make sure you're staying safe, and just have a good time. And you would monitor us, making sure we weren't doing anything that was crazy dangerous, but you'd, you'd be open-minded to us being willing to play outside and mm. doing those types of things where you'd give us levels of freedom as long as we were staying safe with those levels of freedom. You were fine with what we did. Um, and especially when I came into uh, teenage years, uh, I think you and dad were more hands-off in the approach on how you approached us when we were doing things like uh, just making decisions in our life. Right. Um, so... I think that that those both were good examples of open-mindedness. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> again, some context. You know, when you guys were young, uh, Lal, your older sister, uh, tends to be a little more um, uh, outdoorsy, and so if I had allowed her to live alternate, alternating between the pool and the tree she would be perfectly all right with that choice. <laughs> so um, so trying to kind of reel her in and have a, a very strong structured approach with her would not have worked at all. She would be miserable and I'd, I'd be miserable trying to make her miserable. So we, um, so we instituted this kind of play where, you know, she was, she was allowed to go do whatever and I had to keep a keep an eye on you guys so I could physically see you to make sure that you were safe. And so long as that was happening, I was fine with you guys. And then of course we couldn't institute proper meal time. So meal time was always because they, you guys made up a game called baby creatures and the baby creatures did not sit on a table and eat with a fork and spoon. So the food was always, you know, left out for baby creatures as if in a zoo. <laughs> And so that was one of the games, but it was, it was pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, um, yeah, when you got older, it was a whole different story because you were coming into your own and it was important for me to have you guys have a say in, you know, what you did in school, how you, how much or how little you participated and, even your meal times and things like that. So how about Ken? Uh, I mean, dad did much of the same type of stuff, really. It was, uh, I think it was mostly joint decisions between you, dad, when it came to those types of things, right? Because uh, when we were playing outside, dad was more so, listen, when I was your age, I was literally Tom Sawyer going off on a rafting adventures to the swamp. Yeah. So he didn't really care too much about, you know, how 
you know, what levels we saw. Mom was more so the safety-oriented individual, <laughs> right. I think. Um, but he was definitely one where he was hands-off when it came to us doing our playing adventures and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he was also, you know, very big on allowing me freedoms when I came into the, the teenage years. Because I also think it was a little bit of relief on his shoulders since he was in charge of picking us up from school. So when we had vehicles, he was more likely to let us, you know, come home on our own and go out yeah. on our own. And he relied on us to do those things. And I think... And we followed through with it. Yeah, and, and this is the other thing, which I think that a lot of parents will find a little shocking, is both you and your sister own motorcycles, and you rode your motorcycles to school. Now, granted, the school was not very far at all. It was a seven-mile radius kind of thing. And, you know, you traveled mostly back roads, not, not heavily traveled roads for a long distance. Um, but so much so that your daughter, uh, my daughter, your sister was the first person in her school to need a motorcycle parking spot because <laughs> <laughs> she was the first person to have. So that's, um, you know, we, we, um, we were not hypocritical. Um, Ken had a motorcycle and so we allowed you to ride them too, which I think a lot of parents would be kind of surprised at so and I think it was important too because I think that it it gives you a different sense on it because a lot of people think motorcycle and they think we're going out there riding like a, a, as fast as possible as recklessly as possible because I see a lot of that in in you know today's society where a lot of motorcycle riders are reckless and they don't follow the rules of the road and it's just it's almost irresponsible what a lot of people will do um, but I think it, it was very important that when we were doing this, we had learned almost a sense of being safe with ourselves, right? Because uh, when I was riding a motorcycle, it was literally a case of I was treating it as if I was riding a car. I never split lanes of traffic. I never did any of those crazy things. I didn't go above the speed limit. I remember when I was like 16 to 18 going to high school, uh, you could not find me going over the speed limit, period. Like the speed limit was like that was as fast as I was going to go matter what the situation. So, so a lot of people will find that very, very surprising because I think that the, the sense that most people have of teenagers, especially young teenagers, is that, you know, given a boundary, they would push it or break it. So what do you think is the difference between you and Lal and other teenagers your age? Why were you so... Um, within the lines. I mean, we certainly didn't tell, you know, we didn't bully you into it or force you into it. Because we were trusted to do so when we realized the gravity of the situation, right? Mm. When you're weaned into a situation, it's like everybody knows that motorcycle riding can be dangerous and can be extremely dangerous. It can be a life-threatening issue. And we were told about that with our, with our father. Like he had <laughs> ridden a motorcycle when he was a kid and he did the risks and he did the, management of that and he himself followed those rules like when you saw him ride a motorcycle he wasn't screeching as well doing those types of crazy actions and he uh, he still followed those 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 rules and he led by that example which is very important because when you look at that and you realize that hey listen uh, i'm i'm going to stay safe and i realize the gravity of this situation if i make a mistake or if i'm in trouble I can seriously injure myself, another person, and I could even die. And you put that into the hands of somebody who's growing up. It, it, it's a serious 
I guess, weight on that person's shoulders. You realize the gravity of the situation. Your life is now in your hands. And it's interesting to think about because a lot of people will take that as shocking, right? Um, putting somebody's life in their own hands for the first time can be crazy when it comes to how a person is, you know, living their life. Mm-hmm. But it, I've got a weird way of thinking about it, and I'll be the first to admit this, but, you know, your life is always in your hands at any yes. point in time. You could always just stop for a second, take like a pair of scissors and go on off yourself at any point in time. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of a morbid thought, right? Yes. But yeah. you still have control over your own life. At yes. any point in time, you can cease to live it. And in certain scenarios, it's more dangerous than others because there are other factors that could result in your own death, right? Um, there's that weird mental state, right? When you're driving a car or you're some, doing something like that, you have that thought like, oh, what if I just turned the steering wheel as far as I could to the right and I accidentally like, you know, flew off the road because of it? You know, I'm sure everybody's had that thought while they're driving a car. You would never do it. But it's, it's that situation where your life is in your hands and you realize that, wow, like this very important and deep, meaningful thing is in my hands right now. Right. And, you know, at any point in time, it can be lost. And it's that sentiment that you get by slowly weaning yourself and working your way up to having control of your own life and your own hands. Because when you're a kid and you're living like 14, 15, 16, et cetera, and you're coming into that young adult state and you're, you're living those early teens, um, you, that's when you're starting to learn that, listen, I have a life. I am, you know, you get that self-recognition. You realize that you are a human being and you have control over that state. And I think that it's important to, to work with that state while mm. you're in those formative years and to say that, listen, slowly and slowly you're coming into the state in which you now have control over your own life. And that action is, there's, there's ground and there's responsibility right. with that. Right. So when, when you were making the decisions, you, you basically worked with us mm. when, during those times and you gave those responsibilities to our hands. And when they were in our hands, and when we understood the true gravity of the situation, I think a lot of people won't necessarily act completely irresponsibly. Right. I think what comes from the irresponsibility that a lot of people see in kids is because they've never had the opportunity to have control of their own life. And they say that, okay, well, if you're not giving me the responsibility to control my own life, then I'm going to take the responsibility to control my own life, and right. which leads to cases of like rebellion. And there's that classic teen phase where kids are running out of the house and doing that kind of stuff. I think that's because, you know, they need control. They, they're, they're experiencing that very same formative sense. They're coming into themselves and that they don't have control of their lives and they want to take it from that. They want to right. have that experience where they say, I could do this and I right. could technically, you know, so, so it's, it's funny because I think what you're saying, and this is what I'm, I'm sensing anyway, is that it's almost because we always gave you responsibilities, even as a, a younger person, you know, within reason, uh, it was a very gradual thing. And when you, it got to be that you were, you know, young teenagers, you had a lot more responsibility and freedom which I, I believe those two go hand in hand. Freedom and responsibility comes hand in hand, uh, goes hand in hand. So the more responsibility that you have, the more freedom you can have about your choices as well. Yes. Since we, it was not an overnight thing, it was a gradual thing with you guys. We always gave you more freedom than the average child. And so you always had more responsibility because of it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Can you think of some areas where you would say that we were close-minded? Um, hmm. 
Okay, you can be critical. <laughs> well, no, it's not about being critical. It's about I'm I'm having difficulty coming up with like okay, for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd go back to you know playing instruments and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when it comes to some some random formative stuff, uh, early childhood, uh, you know, it wasn't like have fun and explore. It was more so stick to a structured system. Yeah. I think so, that was so. I think for for your father discipline is very important and for him if you sign up for something doing it for a certain period of time commitment was very important yes so yeah that's um that's and i'm not you know we agreed on this so i'm not saying it's his fault or anything but that's coming from his side of persuasion uh, but yeah no i can see that and also i want to i want to touch on a couple other things that you know uh, people talk about open-minded in sense of now we're talking about you know allowing you to take risks such as riding a motorcycle to to school, but there are other types of open and closed mindedness. Um, there are open and closed mindedness mindedness in in terms of religion, uh, which we never forced you to follow any any type of religion. Uh, there are open and closed mindedness when uh, when it comes to Food choices, so both me and your father are vegan, but we never forced you to be vegan. And there are other, you know, uh, areas like, you know, sexuality or uh, other uh, other choices, you know, um, we, we allowed you to drink at home, in, in a home situation, uh, while following the law. So, um, so those are some other examples that come to my mind. What are some examples that come to your mind? I mean, I think those are the straightforward examples. I mean, I can't, I can't really push forward many others. I think uh, I want to touch on the drinking one mm-hmm. because that one was, it, you know, we, we started within the realms of law. I wanted to try alcohol. You let me try alcohol. It right. wasn't like a, a crazy thing where it was just like, oh, well, you know, he's just going to go out and do whatever he wants and all that kind of stuff. No, it was, I tried it. I, and then I learned that I didn't like it. <laughs> it's funny too, because it's just like, you know, my dad had never touched a drop of alcohol in his life. My mom would drink wine when she was in the house and she didn't get drunk off of it. She had a glass of wine. It was very tasteful and that kind of stuff. So I wanted to see if there were any alcohol that I enjoyed liking. So I tried a wide variety of alcohol and turns out I just don't like alcohol. So, right. you know, yeah. it, but being open-minded to like, let somebody try that. I mean, you know, I think that that is a, a good thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what else? I mean, if you were raising a child, what kind of open-mindedness would you bring into the child raising? So that's an interesting one um, because this one, this one is very much dependent on the type of the child, right? Okay. Because um, there are some people that just have difficulty with uh, with that freedom, right? I'm, I'm sure that there are children out there that are just naturally more irresponsible. Uh, not everybody is going to immediately be as responsible. I'd like to keep it as as open-minded as I could, right? Uh, I think that dad's approach with this whole, um, he he made sure that things were, were taken to a certain extent and things were looked over to a certain extent. And you had that concern of safety. I'd want to keep both of those because there needs to be strict parenting at certain levels, right? You yeah. can't just let them run around for you like wild <laughs> wild children and do whatever they want. Feral children. That's Ken's term. (laughs) He likes to call our children feral children. (laughs) Uh, 
but you know, uh, it's, it's let them try and experience the things they want to experience. Um, I, I try and keep it as close to what you did uh, mm. as possible. Right. I try and let them make their own decisions. I try and talk with them before doing other things. I try and work with them and all that kind of stuff. But you know, uh, I don't know what I'd do if that didn't work to be quite honest, because it's a tough question, right? Because sometimes like, let's say you have a child that just is for some reason or another, uh, doesn't want to be, or uses the, the freedoms that you give him irresponsibly, right. him or her irresponsibly, and it just goes off the wall with it. Yeah. Like, I'm the question becomes, well, what do you do with that? And you know, yeah. sometimes I, I probably, <laughs> I'd probably seek help at that point. Go to like, yeah, so discipline, discipline was always an option, right? It's it, it was always on the table because, um, a couple of things that come up for me at this point, right? Is that, um, yes, you were feral children to a certain extent, but yes, safety was never away, far away from it because I always knew where you were, who you were with and what, as a matter of fact, you guys didn't have a lot of sleepovers. And, you know, when, when kids came to our house, they came to our house. I didn't really send you guys to many, many homes. So in some ways I was kind of diligent and in other ways I was allowing you to be yourself. So that, that was a, that was a kind of a strange balance growing up in our house. Uh, the second part of it is that one of the, I think one of the things that you mentioned in one of our other conversations is lead by example. And so, you know, both me and Ken are very, very sort of um, strong-willed people and very individual so we didn't want to impose our will on you guys, but at the same time, we're very disciplined and responsible. And I think that um, parents underestimate the lessons you teach your children by not telling them what to do, but by being who you want them to be. And I think that in that sense, both you and your sister are highly responsible more than i expected you know i wasn't as responsible as you guys were and um at, at certain ages in my childhood and i think that has a lot to do with the fact that we were being responsible and we had faith in you and we let you be more so than my parents are did um ken's parents was a whole different story they just let them be they were they were hippies yep. <laughs> Well, it's, it's interesting, right? Because for me, it's, it's, it's a strange, there's two ways of approaching it, right? You do, uh, I, and I think, I think one of the ways you do is you can do strict until they understand the rules and then lessen up on the, lessen up on the strictness until, you know, they come to their own. Hmm. And then, you know, when something is broken, you go back to the strictness and then you lessen up on it, or you can, you know, be lessened up and then you go down to strict Mm. And you start out lessened up and then you go to strict and then you lessen up again strict. And it almost becomes like strict as a consequence instead of the beginning state or strict as the beginning state. Then freedom as a, you know, as a consequence, right. not a negative consequence. Freedom consequence. is earned or freedom is granted un until a certain point is. Yes. You know. And I think that, I think that there's there's a distinction between the two, but I'm not sure which one's the, the better one. I think that's up to each individual to decide. I think that um, I think that for for a um, so so I read this book on trust, and I had to do a a discussion with a team on trust, 
and um, one of the one of the um, one of the things about trust is that you know trust is a choice, right? You you choose to trust people. Um, you always grant trust, and then it can be taken away, and then you can revise your opinion of trust. And usually, the pattern you see is you start with a place of trust, and then it goes away. But in the case of children, it's the opposite. So one of uh, when we were having the discussion, somebody asked for an example, and my example was with your children. You know, you you take a, a toddler. Do you trust them with a knife? You don't. You you don't start with trust, not because they're malicious, because they are clueless. Exactly. <laughs> so so it's not an insult. It's not that I I don't want to have faith in my children and don't want to believe them and they're you know they're evil or whatever. It's just that they have zero experience with a knife, so they may injure themselves or others by you know handling a knife. So so I think that it, it is an age dependent thing. Mm-hmm. So you have to start with a little bit of, uh, you know, the safety and crawling, more safety and crawling when they're younger, be tyrannical, you know, tell them no, no means no, you cannot stick a fork in an electrical socket. And it's a very tyrannical stance. But as you get older, you have to let them try. Well, I wouldn't let them try sticking a fork. In like, well, depending on what age. I mean, at 15, um, whatever. You know? I mean, if they want to wear safety gloves and safety goggles, I might let them <laughs> stick. I've literally never stuck in the fork in an electrical stock. I, 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 you know, and, That's and, a lot of voltage. Okay, so for to, to prevent internet hate, I retract my statement. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, at some point in your life, you know, if you have a, let's say you have a 30-year-old person who insists that they want to do that, I would, I would say, okay, you know, listen, I'll wear those safety g- gloves and I'll pull you off if, <laughs> if you get shocked because I don't want the, anybody to get really hurt or injured. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, at some point in your life, you kind of have to let people do their own. And, you know, this is, it, it comes down to also um, bad behavior in, in older children. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? And that's traumatic. You know, how, how do you deal with bad behavior in children? Um, you can be open-minded, but yes, there are consequences and there has to be some kind of a balance of, okay, well, this is self-harm. And at some point you need professional help. Yeah. And I think that, I think we shouldn't be afraid to seek professional help. I think it might be a good outlet for a lot of things. Right. Yeah. Speaking of outlets. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of outlets. Yeah. All right. Well, um, good discussion. Is there anything else you want to add to yeah, I think I think during the end there we kind of strayed away from open minded, but I yeah. think that I think a big point of it is just you know the the freedoms that come from open mindedness and willing to work with your children, uh, talk with them about ideas, bounce it back and forth, and be just willing to work with them on the things that they want to accomplish, because you know, everybody's got a different path that they're going to take in life, and you know you're in charge of your child for their developmental years, but past that they're going to become their own person. People live to their 70s and 80s. So the largest portion of their life is going to be outside of your realm of control. So I would try not to think of it as a realm of control and more of a developmental process than what you have. So being open-minded with them and willing to work with them and coming to terms with both your ideas and their ideas and be flexible while, you know, sending them down the right path to the best of your ability. Hmm. 
I, that's beautifully said. And I also think that, you know, in, in some way, um, you know, we were spectators in your life more, you know, we, we were collaborators, of course, we were responsible for your health and safety, but we were also spectators. And, you know, one of the things that we did uh, throughout your childhood is just be curious uh, about who you were. You know, you were, you were these strange little people that were sent into our world and, um, you know, rather than being just constantly preachy and, uh, you know, directional, uh, just be curious as to who you are as individuals. And that was a lot of fun raising you two as, you know, coming from that space of being open-minded and just being curious of who you were going to grow up to be. So, well, thank you for this conversation and uh, we'll speak soon. <laughs>